sometimes saying things like move on let it go hmm i knew how to i would right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> just be happy okay. i'm talking to my aunt like i'm not so what, what should i do <laughs> welcome to she ready a show about innovators and curators and the stories behind their movements We also discuss notions and emotions behind social issues, dish on our latest dating adventures, and talk about personal development. Hashtag self care. I am Amalika, your host, and today we are talking to Shreya Maheshwari. She is a life coach. She has been practicing since three and a half years. Previously, she has worked as a marketer in Dubai with various companies, and she did her Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Psychology from Indiana University, Bloomington. In this episode, we discussed a host of topics like. Quarter life crisis, anxiety, FOMO, finding our life purpose, basically topics that every Indian millennial or Gen Z can relate with. Let's get into it. A lot of us are talking about mental health and the importance of talking about mental health, and our generation knows that it's not a taboo to talk about it. But none of us really want to get that help. We know that there's something wrong. but we either don't want to get help or we tell ourselves oh it's not a very big issue i don't need to go to someone who's a professional in this field why do you think that is so i think there are a bunch of reasons one i think we intellectually have understood that mental health is really important but we do not on a deep level associate with it uh, and i think some of the stigma from the future from the past generations has actually passed down to us as well and so it we ask the wrong questions when you have to go to a doctor you ask yourself if you have the symptoms hey do i have a fever do i have a cold do i have a body pain and then you say yeah i have these things so let me go to the doctor um are my blood reports fine you know like you ask yeah. yourself questions about are you okay whereas with mental health you ask yourself is something wrong with me am i the only one who's going through this can i cope with this myself will people judge me and these are stigma based questions so there is this stigma that's still kind of being passed down and we don't um, acknowledge it because i think it's also like uncool to acknowledge it we kind of have this like duality because we intellectually understand that it's okay the other thing which i think is also the more human empathetic response is that it's hard to see things happening to ourselves mm-hmm. and so like is something really wrong or maybe it's just a phase or maybe you know like maybe i don't actually like i'll just be strong and live through this so the idea of being vulnerable and just facing some of the like harder emotions is what prevents people from coming in and what they don't realize is that actually when they come in is when things get easier so even if it is a phase hmm. phase can be like you can have a support through that phase and you don't have to go through it alone and the person who you come in so most uh, coaches or therapists they have their own resources so mm. they can connect you with a bunch of other people and groups and stuff so you actually don't feel lonely through that process anymore um, but the first step is just accepting that like it's kind of like sometimes doing a deep dive mm. and and just understanding that okay i'm i'm just going to do it i'm just going to like book that first session which is usually free the mm. first usually free with most um i know with most coaches it's free i don't know with therapists i think they charge but still like just book that first session and and yeah and then then see how you feel about it mhm 
and what are some of the tangible acts that one can do to overcome this barrier that no i shouldn't go out this is uncool or i shouldn't talk about it mm-hmm. interesting i've never actually thought about that um but i feel what we can do is ask ourselves the questions of whether you're okay are you sleeping 8 hours at night are you um you know do you have healthy relationships are you eating your meals on time um do you have uh, any anxiety about the way you look or the way you perform if you do have these things coming up then most probably like your day is anyway not going well you you don't feel happy and you deserve to feel happy so my entire point with coaching is uh, is not so much that like you know you probably will be fine either way and but why why suffer through it it's yeah. your life and you get to enjoy it so you deserve this i think that switch that mentality switch where you ask yourself if you're doing well rather than asking if you need the support um is is a good approach mm-hmm. it also seems like a good option about self care you know i think life coaching is a lot about self care it's just not these days like face packs and skin care and yeah so yeah self care is the hard stuff mm-hmm. i mean you can do self soothing and like self pampering exercises like put a face pack but the face pack is not going to get rid of suppressed memories mm-hmm. it's not going to help you build better connections mm-hmm. you have to actually address some of the long term things that will help keep you happy hmm. uh, which is what you know coaching does but yeah i i always say like the first step like if a person's come to my sessions hmm. it already shows that they've invested in themselves because hmm. they've taken that time out and they've said you know what like this is difficult but i'm going to do this for myself yeah yeah what are some of the different life issues you see in boomers millennials and gen z clients i actually don't have a lot of bloomer clients because i myself am young and most bloomer clients would go to bloomer coaches mm-hmm. um yeah my main uh, group of people are from like 19 to 40 so it's gen z and uh, millennials mm. i feel like there actually a lot of similarities mm-hmm. and i at our core across cultures and across ages we are really the same but we okay. just we put on our routine might be different and we put on a different voice and face to suit whatever age bracket we are in but at our core our pain still sounds just the same and like heartache still sounds just the same but in terms of like society i think um millennials are a lot more influenced by previous conditioning mhm z is more ambitious to like so I, i noticed gen z just has a lot more information about the world and okay environment and the like i think every person is trying to find a purpose and trying to associate with even if their job is in finance they will try to make sure that they're working so, like somehow they kind of like giving back or like this purpose driven um work that's going on there there are a lot of people who are co- creating content or they're artist or anyone but there's a lot of expression and there's a lot of purpose driven activity versus millennials i think they still like they're also very high aiming and like high achieving um but some of them are going by the um the rule book like this mm-hmm. this needs to be done so we can get to the next level kind of mindset that's mm-hmm. a big difference i see but mm-hmm. this is also obviously dependent on people and mm-hmm. 
drastically shift based on what kind of personality comes in yeah so you um spoke about purpose driven work as a life coach how have you been able to help find that life purpose for your clients ah interesting most people ask me about my life purpose <laughs> <laughs> framed it like that because i think a lot of us ask ourselves what is my life's purpose yeah yeah you know honestly i think it starts with me and it starts with the fact that i really chased my dreams at the risk of everything and so i understand that drive to like your like that willingness to give up everything just to find that purpose and not being happy with life even if you have everything just not being happy if that purpose is missing so i think i resonate very deeply and then um there are a lot of tools that we use because a lot of times people know what their purpose is mm. um, but either there's a block that's keeping them away from actually implementing it which actually takes us a lot closer because all i have to do is lift those blocks and sometimes they have never asked themselves because they're too scared of what will happen if they give up their current life yeah. so there's again like that fear surrounding everything is going well why should i like leave all of this and go in search of this like you know mysterious thing out there mm-hmm. and so in in both cases if someone is asking themselves what they can do to drive purpose they're already asking themselves what's out there and so i would yeah i would kind of like guide them into their own spirit guide and help them understand like what what is it that's holding them back because they have the answers hmm yeah so it's a lot of mind mapping and a lot of mindfulness as well and talk therapy to get over the fears that they possibly have can you give us an example of how you did it with someone you said you guide them to their spirit guide okay so this one person was um just in a in a very deep flux because being you know a super performer super achiever the person has been rewarded for being where they are but they don't derive purpose from it and there's there was constant anxiety about just about life like not not appreciating life because the next big thing was really important and that next uh, award was really important and if mm. they did, they didn't get it that would also be a big um slump in general all of these people are scared to leave this path because they've seen success on this path mm. i so part of it is i actually help people get accustomed to failure so i did uh, work a lot with them to understand what their fears are mm. get them really comfortable with failure and once they're comfortable with failure it's kind of like teaching someone to swim you know like you get them you make sure that they know they don't have to drown we we also go into like what what are the risks and then how do we minimize those risks mm. so if if it's a financial risk what mark do you have to reach so making it sizable as well mm-hmm. you know often tend to like we tend to exaggerate our fears okay so making the fears sizable uh, minimizing the risks and then saying now what's stopping you mm-hmm. um, and then there's a lot of like ideas about themselves that they've created like i have the first in my class and i have to be um you know this person at the top of the ladder and then we do a little bit of like future work um so usually we always work to be in the present and being mindful but when driving purpose we look at the future and we say 5 years from now what are you going to regret not doing mm. and and if you regret not doing that so if there's certain things that you you feel like 
No, in five years, I will actually forget about it. I don't care. Mm. And fine, then it's actually not that important. Mm. There is something that you wake up five years later and you feel like, I wish I did that. Then you owe everything. If you fail at it, you owe your everything to go try it. And then it becomes worth it. I think that like, it's a lot of talk therapy, honestly. So it's, it's hard to kind of really <laughs> explain. But I think we use, I use that as, once I know what that is, I use that as the motivation to drive the person mm-hmm. in. So it's always like every session we inch a little closer to that goal. And uh, yeah, I have one person who, who actually quit their master's program because they realized, no, I don't need this. Why am I putting this pressure on myself? Just because I can do it doesn't mean I have to do it. Mm. Another person is where they are, but they're just more content and they've made a lot of travel plans outside of that because that's like what their success fuels this other dream of theirs. So they've started living that dream. Do you get a lot of quarter life crisis clients? Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing so much because I think I was once that person. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's a real... It's a real deal, you know, it's uh, because I just think we have so much going on. There's just so many options. We and I think our education system isn't aligned with these options. So we study all of these things and then we come out into the big bad world and we're like, now I don't know if I want to do what I studied. And I don't know even what I studied, like out of what I studied, there are like a hundred options. And I like a medical student who also feeds dogs. You know, or I could be an artist who designs like these massive, like the Japanese lights. So that's, that's someone who's an artist and a a physics student in one. Hmm. I feel like our world has expanded so much that people are free to question everything. Um, And then there's also a lot of information. So you're free to question that too. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. So yeah, (laughs) I have dealt with quarter life crisis um, and I mean, I've dealt with clients who are going through quarter life crisis and uh, most times it is about like finding purpose and other times it is unresolved issues. So either, you know, it's a relationship that breaks that finally brings to light that they're in a crisis. Um, And even the reason they feel they're in a crisis is because they're different from the people or their friends Hmm. who are experience. Um, so there's also this phobia of, you know, FOMO and mm. conforming. Um, so it's just coming to terms with all of that and finding out who you are and being okay with following that path. Because mm. you can't be unique and fit in at the same yeah. time. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, that actually studies, so behavioral psychologists have actually studied groups of people. And um, I'll talk about this one uh, experiment where... This professor basically studied two options. So he, uh, in one semester, the students um, had to go through a photography class. And at the end of the class, they had to choose their best picture. And that best picture gets blown up and they keep it for the rest of their, I mean, they get to keep it. Hmm. In the other class, um, they, they go through the entire semester. At the end, they have to pick two pictures um, and then they have to get either one of them printed. So they have to make a choice on which one they want to get printed. Okay. And what the study showed is that the people who didn't have a choice, who had to pick one and then 
that was theirs to keep. They actually felt very high attachment to that thing. They were super happy with their decision and they really cherished the picture that they got blown up. Mm. Um, the other one couldn't decide, first of all, like which mm. one. And then even after they got it back, their satisfaction was just not that good because they kept feeling, did I make a mistake? Should I have chosen the other one? So it just goes to say that choice actually isn't really that good for us. Um, mm. Yes, having the choice, you know, the freedom to choose is important, but I think we're offered too much of choice. Like even for detergent and for like a bag, yeah. we can actually like have eight options at a time. And sometimes we don't need life to be that complex. It's it's okay. Just hand it to us. <laughs> yeah. And in quarter life crisis, do you get a lot of people, like you said, they have a lot of FOMO and they might get a FOMO that, oh, all my friends are getting married. I'm the only single one or all my friends are traveling and they all have such great lives. But with travel, I think it's something that most of us, I mean, we can deal with it. Maybe I can save up more or maybe I can take more days off or I can plan my schedule that day. But with relationships, a lot of people struggle because it's not in their control most of the times. How do you help them with that? This is actually a very broad question because um, it really depends on each individual based on what their relationship pattern is and what they are going through in their life. So why is the relationship not working? Is it because they don't want to commit? Is it because they have other options? Or is it because they really, you know, do not want that lifestyle for themselves? Um, And they're just being forced into it because everyone else is doing it. Mm. So I think one is being okay not conforming. And the minute you do that, you give yourself permission to ask yourself unique questions. Hmm. You might end up choosing the exact same path, but you're now choosing it for yourself, not because everyone else is doing it. And if you're not choosing those same things, I think, um, yeah, so uh, social psychology has shown that it is actually hard for people to be different. Um, And I think just generally, we were rewarded for being a part of a pack. being on the outside you know um so i always feel like power up by finding other people who are like you there there are so many people like our population is bursting (laughs) (laughs) so take advantage of that because there is somebody who thinks like you and has the same dreams as you and uh working through your dream with a companion makes it a lot easier Mm. whether that companion is a romantic one or a colleague or a mentor it doesn't matter the relationship but just Mm. find your safe group that you're going to build um, things with that's very helpful actually it's okay to be different most of the people who got to where they are like anyone from you know princess diana or like opera or jeff bezos or Or musk elon musk Musk, like they were all considered outliers and they it wasn't easy they had to be different for a while. And then there's a tipping point where mm. the world rewards you for that. Mm. So you have to live through that awkwardness yeah, to receive the benefits. Do you think sometimes we are standing in our own way of progress? Yeah, most times we are. <laughs> yeah, most times we, we think the world is out to get us. But it's really like, again, there's a lot of work we do with this. So what is your block? Mm. And we realize what that block is it could be a childhood trauma it could be lack of support or neglect um, you know or just believing that you'll be judged so it could be those things um, which is still placed inside us because 
at the end of the day, that's internal dialogue and we can uh, carry out changes or whatever from inside of us. And other times it's also, and I don't like to use this usually, so I would only come to this as the last resort, but it, it is sometimes also, we've become complacent or comfortable in our zone, you know? Mm. So it's easier to say things are difficult than to actually like look at ourselves and work through it. Mm. And so, yeah, we do stand in that. It's, it's just because it's comfortable. It's easier to like, we are very change resistant as humans. So it's easier to like stay in our like loopy soup <laughs> and actually like move past it and, and actually like be comfortable with success. And what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So do you want to actually talk about what? imposter syndrome is I think it would be best if you explain it to us what does it exactly mean because I feel like I'm not worth it or I don't deserve it I never feel like that because I don't think I have achieved something that big and whatever I have achieved I definitely feel like no I deserve it and I got it because I worked hard for it Mm -hmm. I'm going to read Mm-hmm. Um, imposter syndrome is a, a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, what you just said that you worked really hard to get it. I feel like this is ingrained in us that we have to work really hard to get it. Mm-hmm. If you are a person of a certain religion, of a certain color, and if you're a woman, Mm. Um, you you know are gay or transgender Mm. there are certain groups that have had to work really really hard in their life Mm. and their parents also working hard so it's kind of generational and so if you suddenly like if you land success based on it could very well be the efforts you have put in or, Mm. or like a great idea that you had but when you land success you feel like I don't deserve this because it came too easy to me why did I not have to work as hard? Why did I not have to, um, you know, sacrifice as much? And it kind of like very closely resembles, I feel like what war veterans feel. So it's like this guilt, like survival mm. guilt that everyone else had to do so much and I didn't. So do I deserve a place over here? Do I deserve this title? Do I deserve to have a voice? And so like, even though they have all of that, they would keep underplaying their hand and it is it is linked with a certain amount of guilt for the rest of the community um i've definitely faced it um um, interestingly like when i when i was running my non-profit organization it was a team of 10 people and everyone had a title so the title i had to take on was director of Mm. the program yeah and I just couldn't, like, I felt like that's too big a title. Like I didn't do anything to get this title. And at the end of the day, it's just a title, right? Like everyone is doing their share of the work and I am the person who's running the entire organization. I'm the founder. So, so technically it was the right designation for yeah. me, but I would keep calling myself the manager just because, <laughs> because that felt more comfortable and it felt like a job rather than, you know, the ownership. So yeah, I think um, especially if you belong to any of these categories where you've 
you know, you've seen people working really hard and you also have to like prove your worth. Those are the moments where you really have to hold down your light and you have to say, I deserve this spot. And rather than wiring it as, am I a fraud for being here? Wire it as, think of how many other people from my community I can get here Mm. uh, just by empowering myself and, Mm. you know, result empowering them. So that's, yeah, that's how we lift people up, right? And that's a much better thing than than thinking that you're a fraud. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like some people should have imposter syndrome because sometimes I f- look at people, I'd be like, you should be like, especially people who have a lot of narcissistic qualities. I feel like you should have it. But yeah, jokes aside, no. I don't no, think so. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Then show it to me, please. Let <laughs> <laughs> me feel more valued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can anyone be a better friend or a parent or a partner or a better sibling I mean are there any common tools that one individual can apply to all of these roles yeah um, listening hmm. when I say listening not um, hearing but actually listening hmm. to understand what the person is saying and um, then accepting it so we play this game in improv theater hmm. There, no matter what the other person says, you have to say uh, yes and. and yeah. So yeah, like yeah, yes, whatever. So you can say like, I hate broccoli. I'm not going to eat it. Hmm. Yes, and I don't like carrots. But why don't you eat the carrots and I'll eat the broccoli? So there's always a way that you are building on the other person's emotions rather than invalidating it. And this obviously like applies even to really big situations. So if you really listen, when someone is saying that they're unhappy with something, we most often like run to like either problem solve or to Mm. kind of say, no, it's not such a big deal. Look at all the other people. They're not blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, But if you can actually just listen and say, why is that important to you? And okay, like genuine curiosity for why is this person feeling this way? Hmm. And even if you don't agree with it, their feelings are valid. Their existence and their reality is valid. So, yeah, I think listening is like 90% of tool that we all need. Hmm. What are some of the tools you have applied in your life which help your relationships really flourish? Um, I applied more tools because I go pretty deep with um, emotions. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely listening was a very important thing. Um, the other was having very frank, authentic discussions. So even being comfortable with things going out of hand and trusting that, like leaving the person with that information will allow them to come back to you. So I became very truth-based in my conversations. And and when I say truth, not just um, saying the truth, but also not hiding it. So we often think like, we, but I was honest, but honesty does not mean that you didn't swallow in things, right? So allowing people to see all of you and yeah, so having really frank conversations, um, empathy goes a very, very, very far away because like you have your own story and the other person has theirs. And if you can see the soul in that person, um, so actually like the word namaste means 
the soul in me salutes the soul in you mm. i actually started like doing that internally like i i started saying that internally that we are ultimately two souls and we're going through this you know life journey together so whatever you are going through is valid and it's okay i can still draw my boundaries and i think that's another thing i need learned how to draw my <laughs> boundaries so that i'm not harmed i'm never depleting myself uh but at the same time i'm not depleting the other so i am my own soul and i nourish myself and you are your own soul and you nourish yourself and i can respect that you know mm. uh, so boundaries is a very big thing and i just realized self care when i feel good internally i'm good to other people internally mm. so self care is i think like let's put that right on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like listening and empathy is so important because i uh, have been in hostel since i was 15 and you don't have people elder to you or your parents or an elder sibling to really guide you and that's when um, i started noticing how kids my age were not such great li- listeners or they didn't have as much empathy and if i would say something they'd be like yeah okay but you have to move on i'd be like are i know i have to move on and i know that it will obviously happen time doesn't life doesn't stop for anyone but at least hear me out and you don't have to solve that problem for me i'll do it and i know that only i'll be able to do it but yeah like you said they get into that whole yeah to problem solving mode that how do i help this person they'll be like yeah okay get over it or move on of course whomever you're saying it to will move on mm-hmm. yeah but hear them out yeah and how are you helping them move on like sometimes saying things like move on let it go hmm i knew how to i would right? <laughs> yeah just be happy okay. i'm talking to my aunt like i'm not so what what should i do <laughs> so yeah we just we're very deeply attached to our own situation but we hmm. kind of look at other people's lives in a more 3d view you know so sometimes important to know like yeah empathy that's where empathy comes in mm. that no they can't which is why they're talking to you and you don't need to fix their problem they know how to just hear them out be a sounding board that's mm. it yeah coming back to millennials gen z conversation i feel like a lot of us millennials or gen z are not very happy with the way the corporate world works and we want to do some purpose driven work but it's just that the paycheck that i'm getting always stops me from actually going and doing something that i would want to do something that would make a difference in the world in all of the clients that you had up until now how were they able to push themselves to get out of that corporate rut mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't think corporate is bad i think the corporates which um treat you like in like they did in the industrial era that's bad mm-hmm. and there are still companies like that who do not treat you know do not value their employees um and they don't understand that it's a two way transaction they they giving you their services and their brain power so that you can actually earn your whatever millions so mm-hmm. you have to value that um here i'm a little biased okay so i'm going to take a very strong stance and say that you should never work for someone who is toxic i know i've been in an environment like that and why like why because you you paid for your education you mm-hmm. have they're benefiting from it they're profiting so it has to be a two way process and 
if it is a place where you're not respected, your um, personal time is not valued, remember that you work to live, not you don't live to work. Hmm. And so it's really important to know that this is, if it's very important for you, if that income is really important for you, then this is a temporary option till you find your permanent option. And if that is not important for you, jump out of it right now. Mm. So you, you, and the employers will only learn when employees begin to speak up Mm. Um, because otherwise they're really comfortable in like going top down where they make all the profits and the employees suffer out of the fear. So at, at some point you have to take that control back and, force that change the top-down effect is happening very slowly it is happening but it's Mm. happening like you know top of the league companies and like or like startups Mm. so like few companies who are doing that Uh, but there are companies who are doing that so corporate isn't all bad you can have it also does come down to your manager right you could have a team and a manager that you Mm. really with, and really that's the only place you should stay it otherwise really affects your health, your relationships, your sleep, like everything else. Hmm. It's not not worth it. Hmm. As a life coach, how have you been able to help your clients with burnout? Yeah, don't burn out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Take time for yourself. Go date. I actually like tell people like, tell me like you have to like go on three dates this week and just have fun. Release, you know, like go for an exercise and release endorphins go hug a friend. Um, it's, it's so important to live your life. And mm. burnout is, it's the saddest thing because like you're working so hard for what? Like ultimately you have to enjoy, even if it's your own company, you have to enjoy the celebrations, like mm. the little milestones for yourself. Mm. And um, often the people who do get to burnout are also the people who are running away from something emotional, which is why they invest themselves fully in work. Mm. Um, so when we pull back the hours and they actually are told to have fun, some will thrive and that's great. But if you don't thrive and you're still questioning and there's like anxiety about or guilt about not working that hard, uh, then we address that underlying feeling. Um, what are, I, mean, I, I know this is a generic question, but I really want to know what are some of the issues with which I can go to a life coach? Because sometimes it's like, it's not a big issue. I'll just talk to a friend. I'll talk to a parent. It'll be fine. When, mm-hmm. I mean, if something is happening, when do I tell myself, okay, I, I need, I need someone. I need someone professional. Mm-hmm. So usually like, like I did not realize until you said, like I've always had anxiety issues and I know that it's very important to talk about it. And I do, and I talk about it with everyone, like my friends, know, my parents, no, it's not, but I never thought to myself that my sister is also helping people. Why didn't I mean, till you did not say it, that thought did not come into my mind. And now I'm telling mom that I can't wait for Shreyadi to start, like start our <laughs> session so that I can get over it. I don't want to feel anxious anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think to a large extent, we've just, we, we are used to handling discomfort, you know, and especially in a country like India, because there's so many bigger problems that discomfort just seems like the stupidest issue to complain about. Um, but you are suffering at your level, whatever that level is, and you don't have to. Some of the symptoms, like I said, like sleep, food, social relationships, these start showing you, these are like the symptoms. If you are 
you know, fighting with a bunch of people or you have disconnections with a few people or even like anxiety, for example, like prevents you from being happy all the time. Realizing discomfort is not normal. I recently realized PMS is not normal. It has to do with the, yeah, it has to do with the stress and hormones in your body. But we just normalize all of these things because we have so many other bigger things to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't, don't normalize your discomfort. It's not it's not normal at all. And the other thing is like, you said, you know, I would go out and talk to my friends and family. Mm. So ask yourself two questions. Do I have a support system to talk to about it with no judgments attached at all? Mm. Um, you know, that's amazing because mm. that, that that's a great, and that's something we work with even in our sessions. It's something I would usually ask, like, what is your social circle like? Um, not everyone has that safe space. Mm. If you do, that's amazing. And it will help you get through a lot of tough patches in your life, you know, mm. so into them and fully trusting them is great. Um, however, if you're still, you know, leaning on them and trusting them, did have you gotten a solution from it? Or is it mm. just venting? Because expressing yourself and venting is necessary, important, but it doesn't fix anything. Mm. So it's kind of like saying, you know, like, uh, my leg's been hurting. I think I have a muscle tear. My leg's been hurting. I think I have a muscle tear. Hmm. Hurting that they'll say like, you know, you can have my seat. Like, why, you know, why don't I, um, yeah, tell me how much it's hurting. I listen to you. That is comforting, but you have to at some point also address it and fix hmm. it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I think, is education as well. Like just people knowing that this resource is available um, which is why when I reached out to you, I think that's when it kind of the light bulb went on and you're yeah. like, available to me. Yeah. It's kind of like a two way. I, I think as coaches also, we can't just like wait for people to come to us. We have to also go out and say like, Hey, you know, like I'd like to connect with you and I think we we can help. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's a two way process and we'll get there. I think our generation, I'm saying our, uh, <laughs> It is sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we will we will get there and we we are really focusing on mental health in this era. So mm. I feel like we're much, much closer to, um, you know, completing that gap than we were before. Mm. Yeah. So thanks to podcasts like you, like a lot of other people are now going to know about this and just know that you don't have to wait for it to become a big problem. Yeah. While it's at its yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you don't really realize that you're having all of these issues and you need someone to really guide you. Mm-hmm. Before you sign off, I have three more fun questions for you. Okay. Okay. What's your current fixation? I don't know why, but I'm so obsessed with Pratik Kohar. Mm-hmm. I like turn on a candle and I play his music and I go like dancing around. Um <laughs> detox between sessions because it's you know like one song and I just like detox and I'm back (laughs) so yeah (laughs) okay if you were on a dating app what would your bio say um I am on a dating app and my bio says that my bio says it says like what's your love language and I said that I act like the most annoying parts of my favorite animal so yeah I make a lot of like animal sounds and like (laughs) knows into people <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite animal dogs but i also like cows especially like after i lived in bangalore i always had like cows outside my door 
like moving all the time <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's that's your dating app bio mm-hmm. okay if there was one rumor you could spread about yourself what would it be i'm not going to help you if they <laughs> <laughs> One rumor I can spread about myself um, that I work for the UN. Secretly. You can do that. I mean, that's not I, I secretly. Know. Oh yeah, or like that I'm an undercover cop. Hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would scare all my clients. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at She Ready Podcast. I post a lot of behind the scenes stuff. bloopers and sometimes fun memes you can email me at sheeredypodcast@gmail.com please rate and review and if you do like my content please subscribe thank you for tuning in and see you next week